Our guest on the year that made me today has had a fly named after her by the CSIRO, which in a country like Australia is a very high honour indeed. Uh, but being the ACT's Australian of the Year for 2023 is right up there too. Olympia Yaga is the CEO and founder of GoTerra, a Canberra-based waste management infrastructure company. And she's the founding director of the Insect Protein Association of Australia. In simple terms, Olympia's a maggot farmer and she is at the cutting edge of maggot farming because she and her team have developed a modular infrastructure for biological services powered by robots. And that's prevented more than a million tonnes of greenhouse gas emissions from being released into the atmosphere. Olympia has a global vision to decentralise food waste management with insect-powered smart city infrastructure. And that's just one aspect of what has already been an extraordinary life. Olympia Yaga, welcome to the year that made me. Hi, so good to be here. Great to have you too, Olympia. Um, Olympia, where are you from? I'm from Canberra. <laughs> Excellent. Tell us a little bit about your early years and growing up. I, I have this beautiful childhood. I grew up, I lived in a granny flat behind my grandparents' house when I was little and my grandparents had 10 children. So there was just this massive Australian-Italian family um, and, yeah, just lots of love and food and yelling and arguing. And then, um, <laughs> and then um you know, I, I went through um, a fairly normal primary school experience. I loved horses and I got my first horse when I got to high school and um, I went to boarding school in Yass, which was a bit fun and got me into agriculture and, you know, a weird love of nuns <laughs> who, I, who, who I think are underestimated and underrated. Yeah, and, and it's just it's a, it's a, a memory of punctuated by really hot summers and um, time at the Lake Burley Griffin Lake and climbing mountains and running away from brown snakes. It's a bit beautiful. Apart from the brown <laughs> snakes, it sounds fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm tempted to ask you uh, who was the nun that made you, uh, Olympia, but oh, let's go for the yeah. year that made you because I think they might be, uh, they might be linked. Uh, Olympia Yaga, what was the year that made you? It's 1988. Um, it was my first year of high school in Year 7 at Mount Carmel Boarding School, which is now closed in Yass. Um, it was a formative year for me because it was obviously I'm living away from home, but it was also the year that I started to sort of learn more about the world and, and what made it work and, and, how, and what was going wrong. And so, yeah, that's the year. And so you mentioned learning about the world and what was going wrong. How were your eyes open to those issues? I didn't know at the time, but there was a really big push by the incumbent government to talk about climate change and it was called, you know, the greenhouse effect and all of that back then. And, and so there were a lot of documentaries for school children to educate about what was happening and what was going to go wrong. I remember the first one we watched was this like, dystopian nightmare mashup of like floods and droughts and all these things happening because we were and then you know, interdisposed with the fumes coming out of a car and the smog over a city and and after a while you're like oh wow we are we're, we're doing damage here and I, I could never like just it burned in my brain and I couldn't mm. once I once you saw it I couldn't stop seeing it yeah yeah so obviously the, that documentary and um, more than one, by the sound of things, had a very profound effect on yeah. you. Olympia, your career has, to say the least, had many twists and turns. Um, <laughs> could you tell us uh, where you started off working and then take us on that amazing trip <laughs> of the various things that you've done? It's so, 
I started off in ag and so I left high school with the ominous goodwill of my career counsellor where she said St Clair's girls do not become ag- uh, farmers and I was like, all right, thank you. Um, inspiring. I'll look forward to seeing you at the 20-year <laughs> reunion. Um, and so um, went to work in the Snowy Monero um, and I got my wool classing certificate and did a bunch of stuff. And then I moved to Goulburn to take a job with the New South Wales Department of Ag on the Surridge Sludge Trial, which is where I really learned to love and understand the data around farming and how we mm. could use data to improve farming systems and create better outcomes. And then I had a life tragedy, which is sort of what put me on the different path. Um, my son died and um, I ended up in Darwin working in the export cattle yards and because of the tragedy that had happened and I was still very young, I was only 24, mm. I just needed to run away. So I went to the US, which is a fabulous place to hide, um, and I trained horses for a while and I married an American Marine. Can you believe it? <laughs> in my defence, he wears tie-dye T-shirts, which should help <laughs> balance whatever stereotype the listeners thought of when I said that statement. Yeah, so I found love, but he was deploying a lot. And so very difficult to have a a young family, which Mm. we did, and me be on the road with horses and him be in at our timeshare in the Middle East, as we used to call his deployments. Um, He wasn't at a timeshare, he was at a war, but it it was a nicer way of saying it. (laughs) Um, uh, I ended up doing a lot of work with our unit, which is Marine Special Operations Command. Um, yeah, in the role of family readiness advisor, which was a term I hadn't heard before. Yeah, what is so that? So fancy, so fancy. It started as a sort of a just a, a social group, um, but I, uh, during the course of the war, by about 2005, the Marine Corps realised, oh, wow, we've got a real problem here because we th- we're worrying about Marines, but we've got this huge support base of people that are not okay mm. um, and we need to take care of them. And the statistics were starting to become alarming. So higher than 50% divorce rate, more than 10% higher than the average family um, incidences of depression in children, cutting mm. in children, all sorts of stuff going on. So they created a program and essentially the commander of a unit or the battalion commander of a battalion, his wife would generally be the advisor. So he, she would support him in his mission of creating resiliency for the families. But because we were a special forces unit, that was very new. Um, the commander needed a spouse who was also part of the operator community. So I, my, I was an enlisted spouse um, and my husband was an operator. And mm. so I supported two generals in that way. So you know, being the operator spouse to talk about what problems we had, create advocacy and you know, be there for the 50 millionth mandatory fund day to help put up the jumpy castle. <laughs> <laughs> On the year that made me, we are speaking with the ACT's Australian of the Year for 2023 and the CEO and founder of Go Terra, Olympia Yaga. And Olympia, I'm exhausted just hearing all those different things uh, that you've done. And we haven't even got you back to Australia yet or um, founding Go Terra. So how did that happen? So it's hard to do war for a long period of time. So we came home um, after 14 years um, and I just want to go back to farming, but I had been out for a really long time and we we just weren't rich enough and that sounds a very blunt statement, but that's the truth, to afford to buy a working farm. So Mm. we were trying to figure that out and I found insects. When Um, when you say you found insects. um, I know, Googled it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, what was the, what led you to 
realizing the potential for insects in terms of farming and then I suppose also the environmental aspect which takes us back to that those documentaries you saw in the year that made you. So I was looking at the problem that farming and agriculture has which is that 70% of all production costs is related to feed right and so if you could like that's a lot and Mm. and then we know that 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 cost is affected always by you know the cost of fuel, the cost of um, the weather events, um, transportation, uh, you know, market forces or regional disruptions in other locations because Australia imports all almost all our soy, and so that that means that Australian farmers are never secure because the volatility of feed prices means they are always at the whim, not only of what's happening in Australia, but what's happening overseas. Mm. And that's that's a huge pain point, right? Add drought, add flat, floods, add, add any kind of uh, political unrest, and suddenly Australian farmers are really hurting. Mm. So that's where I started. That was the problem. And I literally Googled sustainable feed and then the nutrient profile of chicken feed so just the sort of protein fat um, piece and and insects were one of the solutions um, and it was a very early stage of his insects being commercialized and funding um, and so I was like oh that's a cool idea I'll make a bunch of maggots and we'll feed them to poultry and now we'll have a thing but then it was like oh farming maggots is actually hard and, and you know which I didn't actually think would be true because you know, as a sheep person, maggots live anywhere and are very hard to get rid of. Right. And then, and then I found myself, you know, in my kitchen with this sort of plastic construction I'd made for flies to live in. And I poked my head in through the armholes and I'm like just staring at them going, why won't you mate? For the love of God, you know, what am I getting wrong? And so understanding and learning how to produce flies was just this, its own journey. And the evolution meant that as my colony got bigger, I was like, oh, hang on a second. This is Because this is like farming, I'm back at the same problem. All of my costs are driving around trying to find food waste to feed my insects. And ironically, all of the costs relating to food waste management and the reasons why we don't have a lot of food waste management is because the cost to drive around and collect it is prohibitive to it being a product people want to buy or a service mm-hmm. people want to buy. And so it was like, well, maybe, you know, insects are different to landfill and insects are different to chickens. Um, maybe I can just put all these maggots in a box and take them to where the waste is and that solves the problem. And that's what we did. And that's why I get to ask you what I think is going to be my favourite question of this interview. <laughs> Olympia, tell us about your maggot robot system. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, so what we... Again, trying to keep it so that it worked, we, we knew that it couldn't be difficult, it couldn't be hard to manage, it had to try and solve that problem. It had to be not too expensive to make, it had to be not too expensive to run, um, all these sorts of things. So the best thing in the world to me, but not necessarily the slickest or coolest robot you'll ever see, like it's not a Boston robotics <laughs> robot. Um, she's just a big autonomous uh, system that manages and maintains the climate and environment for the insects so that they will eat as much as possible as fast as possible because that's what we're trying to do, get rid of the waste. And then we look to make sure that the unit can move those insects so that every day they get fed. And that way we've got a system now where 
we can send it somewhere and it can do this job on its own, which means the customer can send the waste to us or we, it can put the waste in themselves depending on where the unit's located and they can, and then the robot does the rest. So you don't have to worry about mashing up the food or getting it to the insects or any of those things. You just have to tip your bin into the hopper. So that's and, where we're at. And given the sorts of uh, emissions that are being saved through that process, it's obviously got huge potential. Olympia, it's been delightful speaking with you on The Year That Made Me. Uh, we always finish up this segment by asking our guest to nominate a piece of music. And I'm going to say up front, I'm pretty excited about what you, where you've gone for this one. So tell us about your choice. It's 1927's If I Could Paint. Oh, and that was released in Year 7 when, and it was my favourite song. I sung it all the time. I cried about it with my first love that didn't work out and um, and I actually had the same haircut as the lead singer. And so I still think Serendipity it's or intent? Intent, which is just <laughs> tragic, so tragic. But I still think it's one of the most beautiful soft rock love songs ever. Here it is, If I Could by 1927 and Olympia Yaga, thank you once again. Thank you. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.